I have the pleasure now of talking with Charles Gorecki, and he's with the Energy and Environmental Research Center. I, for some reason, have such a hard time remembering all the words that go into the EERC, but I'm sure everybody knows what that really means. And uh, I'm very excited to get to talk with you about policies and the presentations and the stuff going on with the energy industry today. Uh, Would you like to begin with something that you find to be very pressing about the energy industry or maybe about the content that's been presented this week? Yeah, sure. Again, um, I'm the CEO at the Energy and Environmental Research Center, and we're a non-teaching branch of the University of North Dakota focused on solving those challenges that our industry is facing. And really, we're seeing a lot of challenges today. Uh, I presented earlier in the week about the headwinds for the Bakken, things like ESG challenges, uh, lack of investment, um, and a whole lot of reduction in carbon. So that seems like an insurmountable challenge, but when we think about the Bakken, Uh, we actually have this incredible asset where we can put carbon dioxide to work, for example. And that's been a big push and a big topic of discussion at this meeting this week. Oh, yeah, we've heard quite a lot about the different... uh, Well, specifically, there's been a lot of noise created around Governor Burgum's presentation stating that he would like North Dakota to be carbon neutral by 2030. Uh, that, That seems like it would be a big statement. I mean, how close do you think we are to that goal now? Well, we've been working on uh, reducing carbon for about uh, two decades at the EERC. Everything from understanding where we could uh, store CO2 to all of our point sources of carbon dioxide. Uh, We've taken that into the laboratory. We've taken pilot tests out into the field, and we've actually done commercial demonstrations. At this point in North Dakota, we're looking at a number of different uh, carbon capture and utilization projects and storage projects that are going to help reach the governor's uh, bold goal of uh, carbon neutrality by 2030. Project Tundra is a big one. So that's a carbon capture pro- project at uh, Minkota's Milton R. Young Power Station where they'll capture 4 million tons per year of carbon dioxide off of that power plant to put electrons onto the grid that have uh, no carbon uh, or low carbon uh, at the same time storing that carbon dioxide in the subsurface. Red Trail Energy is another one. It's a biofuels plant. It's making ethanol. Uh, and they're going to capture all of their carbon dioxide from the fermentation process, about 200,000 tons per year, again, storing that in the subsurface. But when we really think about long-term, we've got about 30 million tons of point source CO2 emissions in North Dakota. Uh, we can store all of that easily in our saline formations, deep underground, these formations that are filled with salt water that don't have any future use, or even better, in my opinion, would be to put that 30 million tons of CO2 to work in the Bakken. Uh, the Bakken has the potential if, to use three, four, five billion tons of carbon dioxide to produce five, six, seven, eight billion barrels of oil. Uh, some of our presenters today talked about how we can actually put more carbon dioxide in the ground at sometimes um, than oil and the oil emissions uh, if it's combusted on the outside. So we actually could have a carbon neutral barrel of oil depending upon how you draw the box. So that's where I see the real future um, and the real potential to be able to utilize our resources and hit those goals of carbon neutrality. Things like uh, blue hydrogen, uh, using biofuels that have no carbon or low carbon, carbon negative, and then reliable baseload power from like Cold Creek and Milton R. Young, uh, reliable power with no carbon or low carbon as well. So it's possible, it's a big challenge though. Well, it, 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 is, it is a big challenge, it sounds like, but it, it also, like you said, sounds very, very possible. Uh, I think there might be, I feel like there may be a lot of people surprised to find out how close North Dakota is actually to the goal that, that was just announced yesterday. 
But would that be changed if the Biden administration were to implement this climate tax? Do you think that that would have any effect on the programs here in North Dakota and how uh, we proceed forward with the uh, carbon sequestration and uses? Well, I'm not exactly sure what carbon tax has been discussed in the Biden, by the Biden administration. And it, typically, a carbon tax is uh, just costs everybody more money at the end of the day. And a lot of times, those taxes that are that are put in place aren't necessarily utilized by the governments putting the taxes in place to then reduce carbon further, which is an unfortunate thing. Uh, right now, there are carbon credits that are available, which is more of the the carrot approach. Um, by using a carbon credit, you create uh, an economic incentive for a company to go and make those big investments to reduce carbon. And that's, and that's the path we're on at the moment. Again, there may be a carbon tax in the future. I worry about what that will be to the end user, the people of North Dakota and the United States, as far as how much more they might pay for energy. And that's the, that's the unintended effect of a carbon tax generally, as all those costs are passed on to the consumer. So do you think that that would be kind of a detriment probably in North Dakota as far as being able to utilize and continue innovations? Well, I think I think the way to get around uh, for North Dakota to succeed in a, in a climate with a carbon tax is to use those technologies to not emit the carbon dioxide. If we're already on those on that path, that is the way to continue to produce that reliable power. If we don't have a solution for capturing the carbon from our coal-fired power plants, like, like we've got with Tundra, um, and a carbon tax is implemented, the thing that'll happen immediately is our coal-fired power plants will be shut in, shut down. And that will, will create a situation probably like we've seen in Texas over this last year where we have unreliable power. Most of the time it will be just fine. 97% of the time we'll have power when we, uh, when we want it. But those through that 3% of the time we might not have power and we don't get to choose when that happens. And it'll probably be on the hottest day of the year or the coldest, coldest night of the, of the year and that's when we won't have power. So. I think uh, we need to continue driving forward as hard as we can, as fast as we can, to create an economic scenario where carbon capture from our coal-fired power plants, for example, is achievable um, so that we can have that reliable power. And if things, policy that comes into place, like a carbon tax, we have, a, we have already set up ourselves up for success as opposed to being forced into closure and, and really pushing ourselves into failure, I think. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people waiting with bated breath to see how things go from here. Um, on a slightly different topic, because I know there's been, an, like I said, a lot, or like you said, an awful lot of uh, focus on the carbon, uh, carbon sequestration, the programs that have been put in place. Um, what about when it comes to the security infrastructure for North Dakota Energy? Is there any focus on that, I mean, how heavily are people looking into the security as far as, um, well, yeah, the infrastructure here in North Dakota? Do we have to worry? We don't. Do we have to worry about any of those attacks, like on the East Coast? Or? I think that's certainly something we should worry about. It's not an area that I particularly focus on, but I know all of our energy partners focus on this every single day. The government in North Dakota, we focus on it every single day. Our grid, um, MISO and SPP, they focus on reliability uh, and protection against cyber attacks. So it certainly is something that they face every single day, uh, even as uh, at the EERC, of course, or any company out there experiences these cyber attacks every single day. So certainly something we need to continue to be vigilant about. Um, and I, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if we continue to see foreign attacks on our infrastructure that jeopardize the reliability of our uh, power and providing that affordable, reliable power to our people. Okay, so from your from your involved position in in the industry, you don't you you don't really feel like there's you feel pretty secure is what is what I'm hearing, right? You feel yeah, pretty I, secure in how 
I feel secure, but I, I'd also say that there's a lot of money and effort and focus being put on that cybersecurity, and we can't stop doing it because the attacks are not going to stop. Yeah. So we need to continue to be vigilant and continue to uh, work together to provide those solutions so that our infrastructure is protected from cyber attacks. Positive it's, outlook. Yeah. I'm an optimistic kind of person. So Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. One last question in case there was anything that you specifically would like to focus on or, or let people know about. You know, it's kind of the, the theme, uh, maybe if I could say a statement about the whole um, CO2 and power and peace, and, and that's that we don't have to choose anymore. We, have, we can have clean and reliable. We don't have to choose between one or the other. Solutions like Tundra are exactly that. We can capture the carbon dioxide and provide 24-7 reliable power, so we don't have to choose. And, and that's what I'd like to leave you with. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. I very much appreciate it. Absolutely.